welcome to IDD Get to Know Me, a mental health podcast where nothing is off the table. Wait, what does IDD mean? IDD stands for Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. You will hear from us, people with IDD, and experts on topics that are important to us and our mental health. I'm your host, Victor. And I'm Daniel. On this week's episode of IDD Get to Know Me, we have our first guest, Sue Hutton. Sue Hutton is a social worker and has worked in developmental services for 30 years. After working at Community Living Toronto in direct service and then in rights training and advocacy work, Sue switched over to Arch Disability Law Center, coordinating Respecting Rights, a legal rights education project led by persons with disabilities. Sue is also a mindfulness practitioner of over 30 years and has been teaching mindfulness and developmental services and the education system for many years. Full disclosure, I have been part of some of those trainings. Uh, Sue has been leading mindfulness groups in research with the CAMH team since 2014 and formally joined the team at CAMH as a social worker this past year. We've got Sue as a guest today to share her perspective of how COVID-19 has been affecting the mental health of people with IDD. As a note, this episode was recorded on December 9th, 2020, and is reflective of the COVID-19 experience at that time. Uh, Sue, it's great to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm great on this wintry, snowy Wednesday, and it's really nice to talk with you. Excellent. Yeah, we're we're um, we're pleased to have you here. It's always great to talk to you. And we've got Victor here as well. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Go, coming off this uh, kind of nuts um, COVID stuff, you know. Looking forward to talking to Sue today. It's uh, on this again. This uh, this nice wintry uh, morning. So let's start an icebreaker question, shall we, Sue? I'd love to. Mm-hmm. If you got a chance to hang out with any famous person, dead or alive, who would you hang out with? I love that question. And the first person who pops into my mind um, is someone who's alive, and it's the Dalai Lama. I would love to be able to meet the Dalai Lama because the Dalai Lama represents to me somebody who is able to be kind and compassionate to other people no matter what is going on to me he's an amazing advocate because he was exiled from his homeland his homeland is tibet little tiny country in china and china took over tibet and the dalai lama And all the Tibetan people moved to um, Nepal and uh, northern India. So the Dalai Lama still loves everybody and is incredibly kind and compassionate, even though he's watched the Tibetan people live through such a hard time. I wish we could all be as kind and compassionate as the Dalai Lama. Thanks very much, Sue. That's a great answer. I think, uh, I think, 
I, I think uh, he would probably top a lot of people's lists for sure. <laughs> I bet he'll change a lot of people's minds. <clears throat> and Victor, uh, if you could hang out with any famous person, dead or alive, for one day, who would it be? Cristiano Ronaldo. That's a very specific answer because he's my favorite soccer player. And and I would like to like learn from him all about soccer. And very I would cool. like to like pick his brain all about soccer. Oh, I'll hang out with LeBron James because I'm a big basketball fan. So excellent. Ronaldo or LeBron James because I love basketball and I love soccer. What about you, Daniel? Who would you hang out with? I think um, I think my answer would be someone who's sort of along the lines of of sort of Sue's answer a little bit. For me, it would be uh, United States Senator uh, Bernie Sanders, um, who is just my favorite Do politician you feel in the, the world. Burn? I do feel the burn. Uh, I did. I I did. uh, I did in 2016 and 2020. Uh, Maybe 2024 will be our year. But um, he's just such a compassionate man. Uh, Such a compassionate man who is very humble. You don't see that in U.S. in uh, world politics, really. Um, And he just fights for the common person. A lot of politicians get corrupted by. Uh, big money donors and things like that but his entire life he's fought for uh working people and people who people who need it uh just kind of like we're doing on here but on a much bigger scale and sue it's um it's so great to have you here today uh why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do well i feel like i have two dream jobs right now because advocating and helping people have access to resources to be well, to support their mental health, are some of the most important things in the world to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I started working when I was 11 years old. I worked on a horse farm. And on that horse farm, we took people out for trail rides. Then I was asked if I would teach horseback riding lessons to the CNIB, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. And I said, wow, I'd love to. So I think I was about 15 years old when I got the chance to work with blind people and and take them horseback riding. And I loved it. And then Community Living Muskoka, um, I think that's what they were called, uh, but it was a community living group up there around Bala, Muskoka, and they asked if they could come and take horseback riding lessons with us. So I was asked if I would do that. And so the summers that I was 15 and 16, I then began working with people labeled with intellectual disabilities, teaching them horseback riding, and I loved it. And then I started volunteering more, um, you know, as a teenager, Um, with the disability community and slowly slowly I did more trainings until I got my master's in social work and I've continued to work in this field now working with the human rights lawyers at Arch Disability Law Center 
together with self-advocates to advocate for change is incredible. I feel like we have the opportunity to do so much good work, working to shift the government to really include people with disabilities. And then with CAMH, with Yona Lunsky's team at the Azraeli Center, doing mindfulness, which is my other love, along with people like you, Daniel, <laughs> you and I get to work together on that. And that mm -hmm. is such a gift. So that's a little tiny bit about me. I, I feel really lucky in my work these days that I get to meet great people. something? Yeah. You work with a law firm, right, to help people with disabilities? Mm -hmm. Do you find it like it's a slow process? Like you're not really getting that progress you're seeing for people with disabilities right now? What a fantastic question, Victor. And yeah, so the work that I do at Arch Disability Law Center is coordinating a project called Respecting Rights. And Respecting Rights was co-founded by a man many people call the godfather of self-advocacy in Ontario. His name is Peter Park. He's an institutional survivor. And Peter was placed in the institution at the age of 18. Uh, he was locked up for 20 years, and he's one of my mentors in advocacy. We work very closely together, and he says to me all the time, Victor, good change comes slow. And so we work together hearing from the voices of self-advocates, collecting voices, because as you know, there's power in numbers. So the more self-advocates we can gather together to bring their voices to the government, the better. And you're right, Victor, it takes a long time. There's a few different projects that we are working on. We call it law reform, like where we work to change the laws so that they're better for people with disabilities. And yeah, it takes a really, really long time, but we have to keep going because people deserve better than what they're getting today. What has uh, inspired you to stay in that fight and stay in this industry for so long? You know, I guess, Victor, uh, like per, to answer both Victor and Daniel's questions, you know, Victor mm -hmm. said, like, does it take a long time? And mm -hmm. then Daniel, you're saying, what, what is it that keeps me there is knowing that there is not enough accessible, like, I mean, truly accessible opportunity for people with disabilities to learn about their rights and what the law says. Finding creative ways of working with self-advocates to teach people about the laws using art, using role play, using small group discussion is, it's also really fun. You know, I, I love being creative and being able to bring the arts in. So I just feel like it's such an important project that we keep, keep at. Sue, mm -hmm. we brought you here to talk about COVID and okay. how it affects people with IDD. Can you please explain yeah. us about that? Wow. Well, I'm, I'm going to just say, I am quite sure, Victor, that you and Daniel would be able to speak <laughs> most directly. But I can certainly tell you what I've seen. 
Um, yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to just get your experience as a social worker. Oh, got it, got it, got it. So, um, I have a lot of friends who work in direct services, and a lot of my friends who work in direct services in group homes and places like that, I listen to them talking on the phone in the evening. I listen to them crying. I listen to them being angry. Mm. I listen to their frustration about how difficult it is because so many people, well, here's the thing. Here's what I'm seeing. And you guys tell me if you see this too. The government is doing its very best to keep people safe. Public health measures are doing their very best to keep people safe, right? Part mm -hmm. of that means creating visitation bans. And what I mean by visitation bans is that people can't go in and out of group homes. It also says that staff can't work in more than one group home, right? They're trying to keep the amount of people that people see down to a minimum. So I hear from the staff's perspective how frustrated they are. Um, they don't feel like they're getting the resources that they need. I've heard from some staff that in group homes that they received care packages from agencies that included tea sets got and and the and the okay. staff was saying we don't we don't need tea party sets and and we need programs for people to be able to have contact with other people online we need support everybody needs to have a computer and to be taught how to have virtual access to have a video phone call with their family if they can't see them in person right so you know that's so from this i'm hearing from the staff how difficult that is um i'm I'm hearing from self-advocates over and over and over how they are not being supported in a way that they want to. There's some self-advocates that I speak to who have, you know, um, like a, a worker who comes and visits them. They, they live independently and their workers have just completely stopped visiting them um, because they're very independent people. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So the workers stopped visiting them. They're not seeing anybody and their mental health is suffering and they need more supports right and um so i'm hearing that a lot i mean the issues go on and on and on on what we're hearing about how people labeled with intellectual disabilities have been left behind by government planning so you work with people with idd what it's what can you speak to me about what their experience are like and what do you want to highlight about their experience? How has COVID affected their mental health? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, I can't even begin because um, it's such a huge issue. So I can't even begin to, you know, scratch the surface of this really important issue. Um, there's a group of self-advocates that I work with um, and we came together and wrote an article um, called Social Isolation Continued. COVID-19 shines a light on what self-advocates know all too well, right? And that article, we came together and they spoke about how self-advocates and people labeled with intellectual disability have always been left behind. They've been shut behind the doors of the institutions. They have been left out of planning and decision-making about their own 
lives where other mm -hmm. experts and professionals make decisions for them, right? So with this, with COVID-19, it just seems self-advocates are saying, and people with intellectual disability are saying all over again, here we are left behind once again. We're not being included in discussions about how we can have access to friends and family and how our mental health can be taken care of. Um, people are isolated. Some of the calls that I'm on for advocacy, like Zoom calls, people will be crying and crying and crying. And so then I've been working with the other self-advocates on how do we support people having really challenging emotions during this time? And let's help them get connected with professionals for some mental health support, right? It's very difficult time. So, so it's really interesting how you say that uh, in a way, in a way, it's sort of the same, like same old, same old when it comes to uh, yeah. sort of vulnerable people, uh, and and how the pandemic has maybe sort of highlighted that highlighted uh, yeah. how like the way things are. But uh, are there any ways that people's lives uh, have changed uh, during this time? That's a really good question too. So there's there's a self advocate. She's from okay. Ottawa, Ontario. And her okay. name is Veronique Diloretto. Now, Veronique, early on in the pandemic, said, we have to do something to help people get more online virtual access. Now, all of our in-person self-advocate meetings uh, obviously came to a quick stop with the pandemic. And then when we moved over to have our video meetings, all of a sudden, most of the people were no longer able to participate because they didn't have computers or they didn't have access to the internet. Or even if with their passport funding, they bought a computer, nobody had showed them how to use it and how to get on Zoom, right? So Veronique said, we've really got to start doing something about this. And it motivated her to ask Respecting Rights to start a campaign called Get Connected. And um, I can send you the materials for that. We sent out letters to agencies asking them to do better at helping self-advocates get on the internet to meet with family and friends. Has there been uh, a bit of a, has there been any silver lining for you in all of this, uh, this difficult time uh, that you've noticed uh, either for yourself or as a social worker for your clients, things like that? Oh, what a great question. I, I love your guys' balance of questions of looking at this issue from all sides. And um, yeah, I think I think one of the silver lining moments is, like I said, that day on December 3rd, International Day of Persons with Disabilities, seeing almost 100 self-advocates from around the world meeting virtually. I don't think that we would have done that if it weren't for the mm -hmm. pandemic. So I think that that's a bit of a silver lining moment. We all got to connect. Um, I think that another silver lining, but, but I really want to balance this out because I, I still want to emphasize there are still hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of self-advocates who are locked in their rooms, who are isolated, who don't have access to computers for virtual mm -hmm. contact. So I still think that that is a massive issue that we all need to advocate about make sure people can connect safely using their video platforms. Um, but that said, we've done 
you know, uh, the CAMHS Reality Center or HCARD and respecting rights and People First of Ontario came together during the pandemic to host What's Up Wednesdays. And that was a virtual presentation where we had um, people like Dr. Yona Lunsky there at the Israeli Center and, and Yona brought in different doctors to speak about plain language explanations of COVID-19 for people. And lawyers at Arch Disability Law Center talked about what the law says about COVID and some of the rules. I think that that's a silver lining because I don't think we all would have come together like that if it weren't for the pandemic. Uh, Sue, we've got you for about two more minutes. Um, just any any final words that, that you'd like to add today? Oh, well, I want to say congratulations, Victor and Daniel, for launching this podcast. Oh, thank I think you. you guys are going to change the world and how incredibly important it is for you guys to be the experts and be interviewing people and with questions that you find important. So I'm really excited to follow your podcast and help spread the word. So we want to thank Sue Hudson for joining us on this podcast for sharing our perspective. Thank you, Sue. Yeah, thanks so much, Sue. And yeah, maybe we can uh, maybe we can talk to you another time. I'd love to hear more about your experience with meditation and and mindfulness. Uh, hopefully, when we're in more optimistic times, you know. Like I said, I think you guys are going to change the world with this podcast. And huge congratulations! And I would be happy to speak any time about mindfulness for people with intellectual disability, and maybe especially during COVID nineteen. It might be a really good time for us to. Uh, to talk about that too so thank you guys so much for having me it's an honor good night and stay safe thanks for listening everyone we'll see you next time this podcast is brought to you by the Azrieli adult neurodevelopmental center at the center for addiction and mental health in toronto canada we would like to thank our producers, Katie Cardiff and Irfan Jiwa, for helping to keep us organized and for all the behind the scenes work that they do.